Hey, my name is Lizzie Smiley, and I absolutely love helping people connect with their calling and all the tools they need to kick roadblocks and excuses right out the door so they can cultivate the life they dream about. If you want to launch, grow, pivot, or scale your Etsy shop, or you've always wanted to develop the mindset and skills to run your own business, then I'm your girl. I've had that entrepreneurial spirit going strong since my very first lemonade stand, and now I'm a work-at-home mama with multiple online companies and a full-time Etsy shop, all while being present with my kids for the everyday chaos and most important milestones. On this podcast, we'll talk about all things business, mindset, Etsy, creativity, dazzling our customers, and so much more. There's plenty of room at this table for you, so scooch on in and let's go. I'm holding nothing back. Welcome to How to Sell Your Stuff on Etsy. I'm so glad you're here. Hey, you guys, welcome back to the show this week. I have been on the edge of my seat waiting for this conversation. Let me just tell you, it's been like weeks of of anticipation. Um, I was able to wrangle our very own household attorney, Paige Hulse, into coming onto the podcast real quick today to chat with us about what's happening, legally speaking, with AI just it constantly changes every week it's an ongoing conversation uh, honestly it, talking to her it's even more vague and crazy than i than i thought it was i kind of thought we were making some progress i was really curious but um not so much you'll be very interested to hear what she has to share so because everything is still so vague we're really not going into specifics about any uh platform in particular just more of the legality around using ai um, for Etsy, for business, for, for all the things. And we're just going to let Paige chat about what she's been seeing. She also recently wrote an article, which I will link in the show notes over on her blog about what's been happening. Um, and that'll give us some more information. So, so yeah, I, she, I'm just going to let her go, let her talk, let her cover, uh, the news around it. And it's going to be an ongoing conversation. I'm going to warn you right now. We don't have good answers. Like the the bottom line is going to be, we don't know yet. But it is very interesting watching it unfold and hearing, um, you know, the best little bit of advice and suggestions we can for where it's at right now. Uh, I think it's a really exciting and interesting time. And I don't know, there's, there's just, there's so much around it. Hey, you guys, I'm interrupting as I sometimes often do. <laughs> with a quick announcement that has come up since the time of recording with Paige. And it is that I am going to run a live group coaching call for anyone who would like to join on Thursday, December 14th from 6 to 7.30 p.m. Central Standard Time. This is, it's only going to be $37 to come. You can ask questions. I can do a shop review for you. Um, you can get some business coaching or some mindset coaching if you need it, or you can just listen in and learn from all of the feedback being given to the other people. So this has come out of two places. One, a lot of you would really like some one-on-one help, but you know, paying for a solo hour with me for $147 isn't necessarily doable budget-wise, whereas $37 is much more palatable for people to be able to get the little bit of help that they need. And then the second thing is when I did that live AI workshop, we had such a great time just being real time together. It was an absolute riot. And so it kind of stoked something in me where I was like, I want to try this. So we're going to start with one, see how you like it, see how it goes, see what the interest is. And if it's a smashing success, maybe we will turn it into a regular thing and or a membership kind of thing. I will wait to see what you all think. But if you would like to come to next week's 
first ever live group coaching call again Thursday, December 14th from 6 to 7.30 p.m. Central Standard Time. Yes, it will also be recorded. You can go ahead and grab the links, uh, the link in the show notes to sign up for that and get all of the details you need. One little caveat, um, I learned the hard way from the AI workshop that if you don't, when you sign up, if you don't click to subscribe to the emails, you will not get the emails with event notifications and reminders. And that, as you can imagine, threw a wrench in for some folks. So consider hitting that. You can always unsubscribe later. I will not spam you and I will not be offended if you jump off right after the jump off the list right after the event. I just don't want you to miss on the event emails. So I hope to see a whole bunch of you at that event. I can't wait to see and geek out with you. And okay, that's a wrap. Let's talk to Paige. Without further ado, I'm going to uh, welcome Paige on here and we're going to have a quick conversation today because it's like weighty and legalese and, and all of that. But uh, Paige, thank you so much for being here with us. I'm I'm so excited to be here and talk to you about this uh, <laughs> wild west of AI and intellectual property. And there's at, at the time of, of our recording with this, we don't have that many answers when it comes to <laughs> when it comes to where we're at from a legal perspective. So what I'm going to be talking about today is the I guess we could say the state of the union of literally where we're at with with AI AI laws. If it sounds like I'm being vague, please know that I'm not intending to. That's just literally how vague everything everything is right now. So I'll go ahead and obviously stop me with at any time with any questions. Oh, you know I will. <laughs> no, we can rely on you, Lizzie. Um, okay, so I'm going to start with something that made with one ruling that made headlines. Um, a couple weeks ago now, but in October, President Biden issued an executive order that was um, that he refers to as a landmark, a landmark act or landmark action in the world okay. of AI, uh, which could or could not be true. the The reason why I say that is because it states, and we had a lot of people, a lot of entrepreneurs, freaked out about this initially because this executive order stated that anything created with with AI, you know, that language was almost that broad. Okay. Anything created, anything generative AI that creates synthetic content, including images, videos, audio clips, texts, et cetera, would have to have a watermark. Um, that mark or that creation would have to have a watermark indicating that it was created with AI. Okay. So then entrepreneurs were, you know, you read that executive order, you hear about it on the news, you start freaking out because you're, you're asking really good questions. Like what, what do we actually consider? Like when we define. <laughs> define it at this point, define it. Where yeah. isn't it? Like, <laughs> yeah. Like, let's just start with the first issue of what would that watermark look like? How often, how big does it have to be? What does it have to look like? How often do we have to use it? I mean, there are so many questions you could ask about that, that the executive order doesn't answer. Yeah, sure. And you also, the real question, and this is, this is the heart of every question that we're asking when it comes to AI is what percentage of AI contribution when creating a work what percentage of AI contribution tips the scales so that that content is then considered to be created by AI rather than something that's created um, by both a human and AI? With so, AI. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's, it's hard to even like articulate this because it's such a weird concept to, yeah. <laughs> to even think about. But I'll give you a practical example. I have a client who I'm copywriting an app for them. 
when you copyright an app, you have to copyright every element of the app. So photos, uh, the actual copy, the code, the development on the back end. I mean, it's a very complicated filing. They used ChatGPT for 10% of the copy on the app. Hmm. The copyright office, and I'm kind of jumping ahead a little bit, but the copyright office as it stands right now has stated that you have to be a human in order to get a copyright ownership or a copyright registration over anything that you that you apply for. So when we look at my client's app, which again has all of these, I mean, such a, a myriad amount of elements and took years to build and is truly a like a brand new concept, an app that is unlike anything on the market. If 10% of the copy of the app, which let's say the copy constitutes like 30% of the app itself, if only 10% of that 30% is created in association with AI, is her work considered, is her work considered human or is, yeah, or do we have to say, no, that's an AI generated work? That's, those are, those are the really difficult questions that- Where's um, the line? Where's the, yeah. That's what entrepreneurs are facing right now. So coming back to this executive order, and this is the last thing I'll say about this, because it doesn't, it does not impact entrepreneurs. It does not impact small business mm-hmm. owners. It will only impact governmental agencies. Oh, know when that's going to happen. Okay. <laughs> the reason though why I still mention that is because this, I think that this will be a framework that courts base um, decisions off of that okay. will build up our case precedent. And not just courts, but also the the copyright office itself. So right now, um, the copyright office, literally, as as we're speaking right now, the copyright office has issued a public comment. Um, the the notice period just closed about two weeks ago. Literally, essentially, like polling <laughs> polling the public and asking more than thirty questions about mm-hmm. what what creators consider. Um, to be actual like human creations, what, um, when it comes to rights of publicity, (laughs) what should be considered, like if, if you're using a photograph of somebody famous and using AI to like, if, if somebody famous or just somebody's appearance or likeness appears in that photograph, but it's AI generated, what type of publicity rights do we have? What constitutes misappropriation of those types of rights? It's, they're asking a lot of questions. But the, the meat of what they're asking right now is how much AI is permissible contribution in order to copyright the, the work. So again, going back to my client's example with the app, if she's using just 10% or if just 10% of the copy is created by chat GPT, is that that's so low? That's so like, small. Keep going. Yeah. It's just so small. Yeah. And I, they kind of, um, this is just my peanut gallery opinion. Take it for what it's worth. <laughs> but the copyright office kind of came out swinging pretty hard when it came, when it comes to AI um, findings, when they said that everything had to be created by a human. Um, because now it's very clear, like you and I were talking offline, it's it's clear that it's not necessarily, I don't think it's going to be possible for every single work to truly be created by um, just a human. What I mean by that is you start talking like lawyers, annoying people, <laughs> annoying people like my colleagues start talking about, um, okay, well, if we want to, if we want to argue what constitutes um, or what what is AI, 
technically something like spell check on Microsoft Word or like Grammarly. That's that's an example of AI where we've actually oh, Grammarly. Oh my gosh, I forgot. Yeah. Whoa. That's AI. Um and so so you then you have to the copyright office had to backtrack a little bit and not be quite so black and white and not quite so stringent when it comes to what is defined as a human creation because they just simply it can't it, it's not as simple as it as it first appeared not that this ever ever appeared to be simple yeah um so again they're asking about approximately 30 questions right now and these are the types of questions that are um that are going to be important for entrepreneurs to think about because they're at the copyright office is asking questions like um when copyright, when does copyrighted work used without permission to train AI models fall within the purview of fair use laws? Huh, For example, yeah. if an author has copyrighted a book and holds that federal registration and then ChatGPT pulls content from that book, what, what rights does the author have, the owner of that copyrighted work? What rights of infringement do they have against uh, ChatGPT or OpenAI, the parent company, I guess. Um, and then other questions like when can somebody or what what changes are necessary to the Copyright Act itself to clarify, again, when human involvement is necessary for copyright protection. All right, friend, this one is for my people who want to build and scale an Etsy shop for physical products. You may not know this about me because I've run and talked about all different types of shops since launching the podcast, but I actually got my start on Etsy in physical products, and to this day, I consider that my expertise. My very first Etsy business was a handmade shop for wood signs that my husband and I built, painted, boxed, and shipped, and we ran that puppy for six amazing years and made hundreds of thousands of dollars with that shop. I will never forget it. I'm so grateful. I know what it's like, and I know how to build a successful handmade business. It can be really hard in the beginning, especially because the physical part of the product creation takes up a lot of time and energy. And then you have to pair that with like having to develop the actual skills of getting people to buy them. It's a whole different mammoth of a ball game. So if that is you, you're planning a physical product shop or you've got one that's not getting the results that you want, you need my flagship Etsy course. It's called Listings That Sell 2.0. And I will literally teach you everything I know, every secret up my sleeve, and the entire strategy that I used, and now hundreds of other students have used as well to get sales on Etsy. We're going to talk about how Etsy works and how to leverage the algorithm, how to find pockets of demand so that you don't list your products and just get crickets. I'm going to teach you everything about SEO or search engine optimization, which is just a fancy way of saying I'm going to show you how to use the right words on your listings to make sure that they get seen by shoppers. We're going to talk about product photography tips, shipping, pricing, shop setup, legal and tax basics, and so much more. You're also going to get access to my private student Facebook group which I am in every single day answering questions and we support and celebrate each other all the time. So bottom line, if you want to make this Etsy thing work for you, I have over 20 hours of training waiting for you so you can master the Etsy marketplace or fill in any gaps of knowledge that you need. Or if you are strapped for time, which is 100% where I'm at right now, and you just need the bottom line, I've provided a fast track roadmap so you can get through the most critical lessons in under five hours. If you are ready, Let's do this together. I'm going to hold your hand. You can visit the link in the show notes to learn more, and I will see you on the inside. 
something else. I'm talking very fast, so stop me. Oh, <laughs> hey, they can hang. They listen to me every week. You're fine. <laughs> well, and they there are also, like I said earlier, there are major questions right now about rights of publicity as well in the Senate Intellectual Prop. I can't speak. Intellectual Property Subcommittee um, held a hearing on this, and there were some individuals that testified asking, again, what legal rights, if any, currently apply to AI-generated models uh, or material that includes the name, likeness, or vocal likeness, or you know, visual like appearance of an individual. Those are obviously really, really great questions. Um, we have some Supreme Court, some Supreme Court decisions that have come out um, that have not been decided yet completely, asking, again, what relevant use is to be analyzed and do different stages of training, such as pre-training or fine-tuning, raise different considerations under fair use factors. What I'm getting at with all of this, Lizzie, is that in the United States, um, when it comes to copyrighted work, once you copyright that work, and this applies to, to trademark law as well, once you own that federal registration, you are supposed to have federally uh, enforceable rights where you can essentially go shut down an infringer. If And, and you also, we have federal laws that state that and I'm oversimplifying a very complex area of the law, but we have federal laws that state that if you allow the dilution of your own registered work, right? too many, or like if you allow it to become diluted, you lose that federal right to that work. Mm -hmm. So if you have different AI tools out there that are able to utilize those assets um, that you, you know, for which you own the federal registration, at what point, like, is it possible is it possible to prevent dilution of any of your work whatsoever? And in that case, what is intellectual property even even worth? Intellectual property that is um, that contains any sort of AI. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a quote. I rarely do this, but there's a quote that I I really appreciate from my nerdy legal perspective um, from a professor at Albany Law School um, who who raised a, a very good, a good old Socratic method, raised a very, very good question about this. So in the United States, in order to copyright a work, you have to both be the owner of the work and the author of the work. That's the, that is a critical point. You have to be the owner and the author. That's why if you create something, you can assign or transfer your copyright rights to somebody else. So the author can transfer those rights to a separate owner. If you have to be a human in order to be an author and you can't copyright anything that has any element of AI or anything that has an element of AI is no longer considered to be an author, you cannot, um, if there is no author, there can no, there cannot technically be any infringement. So again, in the United States, in order to not just prove, but enforce infringement rights against somebody, you have to own that federal registration. So if, if again, we're using, if we're following kind of a, a stiff a train of, of logic here, but if we're backtracking and reverse engineering it, you have to be an author in order to Again, register the rights, and you have to have that federal registration of the work before the copying incident occurs in order to enforce it. If there is, we're going to restructure this whole country. It, I'm, keep going. If there isn't an author, then there cannot be infringement. 
So therefore, so therefore you see where it like, it becomes a circular argument because, um, because, because literally like if the copyright office sticks with what they said at the beginning, eventually we're just not going to be able to have any copyrights. Theoretically, I'm speaking in grandiose terms here. Um, it's, it's a very, again, it's kind of a, a circular, a circular issue to have, uh, to, to discuss, but at the end of the day, I hate to be this general about saying it, but we are so we are at such a wild west moment when it comes to AI and when it mm-hmm. comes to um, intellectual property laws. Um, the courts literally do not know. Like we, the courts are trying to figure this out right now. And again, not just the courts, but the the every the federal government's trying to figure it out as well. As I say to any client, any call that I'm ever on. Anytime we're looking at how to handle our business legality, we have to look at it from a legal perspective and we have to look at it from a business perspective. So since we don't have that many answers when it comes to the legal perspective of AI and intellectual property ownership, let's let's be smart and let's really hone in on that business element. What I mean by that is that I know without a doubt that if we're we're stuck in the quagmire of of asking what um, what AI generated rights can be copyrighted or trademarked, what what rights you can get a federal registration for, yes. or what what creations you can get a federal registration for, um, while everybody's arguing about that, and while you know <laughs> as we're trying to figure that out, as business owners, if you have an asset that you know that you want to register, that that you know that you want to be able to take action on if somebody were to infringe upon that work and take the extra step to ensure that that work is completely 100% your own and that you've created it yourself. For example, I spent this weekend using, and I'm not saying don't use AI. I want to be very clear about that. I spent all weekend using AI for something I'm creating right now, but I'm using it as a framework. I'm not, that's not going to be the actual asset that I end up Yes. Registering. The reason for that is because I pray to God I'm being smart. (laughs) But the reason for that is because I want to be able to register the intellectual property for what I'm creating. And I I want anytime I'm registering the intellectual property and anytime I'm building a business, I'm always looking, hopefully at least three steps ahead, but looking at um, how I can sell it someday. Yes. Sell the company. Every company needs to be like, you have to build your company to be sellable because at some point in time, you are going to exit the company. Like that's just the, the truth of the matter. So every company must be built to be sellable. That means in order to be a prudent business owner, I want to make sure that every asset that I want to register is something that I actually own. <laughs> and if more and more, not just competitors, but if more and more of the, um, if more and more businesses are using AI to partially contribute to these creations or these, um, I'll just say creations, whatever, again, whatever um, item that they want to register. And if there's a question about whether or not those assets are going to be able to be registered, I know that what I'm creating as a human, (laughs) which again, sounds weird, but what I'm creating as a human is going to carry such a, um, such a, an inherently higher value and add to the actual literal like valuation, the bottom line of my company. If I ever do decide to sell, sell that asset or uh, license out that asset, 
I've already set myself up to be in a position where I can do so at a, at a higher value because in a, in a worst case scenario, it'll be one of the few assets that actually could carry a protectable federal registration. Wow. Um, so, do you mind if I ask a couple of just follow-up questions to bring yeah. us home for Etsy people? Or do you have something else you need to say right there? No, that's good. Ask your questions. Y'all, I don't know about you, but the legal stuff surrounding business really intimidates me. <laughs> like, it's not fun. It's not easy. And I generally just want to shove my head in the sand like an ostrich and hope it will go away and nothing bad will ever happen. But the truth of the matter is that we're business owners now, and that is so cool, and it takes so much courage and effort, and it would be absolutely devastating to lose it all and more, like maybe even our homes or our our family's well-being, because we didn't take a few precautionary steps in the front end to set up our business correctly. So whether you're just getting started on Etsy or you've been selling for years now but never quite got around to the legal setup, I want to make sure you know about attorney Paige Hulse and her creative law shop. Paige used to be an Etsy seller just like us, which I freaking love because she gets us, she understands the nature of our business and the Etsy platform so well, like so much better than you know, some local attorney who maybe understands like, you know, general law. She's the one person that I trust for myself and that I trust to take care of you guys for like any entrepreneurship needs. Like, or by the way, equestrian as well. If you happen to be a horsey person like she and I are, she's got a specialty there as well. So first off, I want you to know about some free resources. Um, Paige was on the podcast three times so far. So if you look for episodes 36, 61, and 86. Um, great free advice there. You can learn some of the basics from her of how to protect your, your business, how, the way you need to set it up correctly. Um, she's an absolute doll and she's smart as a whip. And also like you're going to love the easy way that she breaks down like complicated legalese. Like I can actually, I can actually focus on what she's saying and not go blank because it's so technical. Um, you're going to love her. And also this is really important. I want you to know that she's available if you, um, especially in the United States, of course, like if you run into legal trouble or if you need to register a trademark or you have some other issue with your business that requires legal advice, um, you can just search for Paige Hulse Law. Hulse is spelled H as in horse, U-L-S-E. And I'll also have her sites, um, you know, of course, linked in the show notes for you guys. And most importantly, I want to make sure you know about her creative law shop because it can save you boatloads of money. Um, it's literally like a template shop for, for like legal documents, the kind of things that we need all the time. So in many instances, you can just purchase a legal template from Paige directly from her site that will protect your business for a fraction of the price that you'd pay for hiring an hourly attorney. And it's going to be written a million times better than something free off of the internet. Like the stories she's told me about trying to defend people who grabbed a free like contract of some kind off the internet because they didn't want to spend the money. And then like it, it cost them everything like they thought they were safe. But those templates are not written well and they're not written specific to like the Etsy entrepreneur. So she has so much in there. You can get everything from your LLC contract, which is super critical, a multi-person LLC agreements for partnerships if you work with more than one person in the LLC, special provisions for your Etsy shop policies if you really want to cover yourself there, affiliate agreements, influencer contracts, photography releases, and so much more. There's literally over 80 contracts available plus um, additional free resources. Her blog is incredible. And there's a lot of educational tools, like some even for purchase if you want to take like a course learning some basic business law stuff. So check it out. If you need to order something from the Creative Law Shop and you want a bit of a break on the price, you can use my coupon code SMILEY10. 
That's all lowercase, S-M-I-L-E-Y and the number 10, and you get 10% off and hopefully that will help. So just go to shopcreativelaw.com and there are a ton of resources waiting for you. My hope and prayer is that you'll never need to fight a legal battle, but just like we have fire insurance and car insurance for a reason, setting up your business the right way now can save you from a lot of pain later. So I really trust Paige to help you out. Yeah, let me just, let me just, cause there's a, there, so first of all, Etsy, you can't, you can't legally sell an Etsy shop, but you can sell the assets of what you've created in it. Like, you know, or if you build out any other part of your business. So I want to make sure people understand the relevancy there. Like, even though I can't sell my shop, I could sell all of the intellectual property I create in it. Mm -hmm. If I have registered that intellectual property, is that accurate? Yeah. Yeah. Like if I have a thousand listings, let's talk about my sign shop. You know, I made all these signs. Um, I never copyrighted them or anything, anything formal. I had a ton of them. Um, Could I have gone ahead and sold those? Could I have sold the designs? Yes. Without doing obviously like background due diligence. Yes, you could. I've actually, I actually have helped people. It's that we're getting into different conversation around positions. Um, it is, it is technically possible to sell. You can't literally sell like the storefront of, of that Etsy shop. Yes. But that's assets that you create and the content in the name it. of the business and those types of things. Yes. So that's why it matters. Like that's why it matters to Etsy sellers. And then the other two pieces that I want to make sure, um, that I just, I like to always like bring this really direct to my listeners because we've been talking, I mean, I want to geek out with you on the law all day long, but I don't want them to glaze over. So, um, there's the, the factor of what I have created in my Etsy shop. Can I copyright my own work that I've created, which that's what's being discussed right now in the AI discussion. And then there's the other factor of if I'm using AI to create things, am I violating someone else's exactly. intellectual property? And so those are the different ways that to me, this is affecting us as Etsy sellers. And if I'm going to like summarize what, what you said, and I also want to make sure everyone knows that nothing Paige has said here is legal advice. This is just a general conversation for educational purposes. I'll let you add on to that, whatever you want to, Paige. But just the fact that these things are completely undecided right now, but they're in flux and it could change. And we all need to be paying attention to how we use AI because we don't know if it's going to end up we're violating someone else's IP and or if we'd be able to protect anything we create if we use it. Is that all fair? That is all fair. I'm going to add one note to that. In addition to thank you for for reminding me of my disclaimer there. This is all literal for educational purposes because we don't have a specific law to talk about yet. Um, But if anybody has any follow-up questions, refer to an attorney in your jurisdiction. Um, Don't take this as as the cold hard truth when when it comes to the legalities. But while we're in this gray zone, here's what smart lawyers are doing. Here's what, I don't know if smart was maybe the correct adjective, but we'll say savvy, proactive lawyers are doing. It it is a lawyer's heyday to not have a governing law to play with. So if you as an Etsy seller are selling something that contains an element of my client's work, whether that be like part of a photograph or I don't know, part of the text from their book or something like that. Because I don't have a, a law that specifically states that my client doesn't have any rights, I can play with that and I can still I can still pursue a legal action against you and do it purely. There's a business side to litigation. This is I hate talking about lawsuits. This is not what I I don't want to create fear around this, but I want people to understand that your takeaway from this shouldn't be 
it's the wild west. We can do whatever we want. Your takeaway from this should be it's the wild west. That means other lawyers and people are out there making the rules and some bigger companies can spend that capital to hire the attorney just to send the send multiple cease and desist letters and make it expensive for you to even say, no, I'm really not doing anything wrong. I promise. Um, that's a side, that's a side to the legal world that people do need to be cognizant of. So when you're creating anything, when you're selling anything from a commercial standpoint that contains an element of AI, I want you to, I want you to, uh, I want you to think twice about it. What I mean by that is I want you to make sure that you've taken every step you can to impute your own, um, your own create your own creativity over the work. So for example, don't just let chat GPT spit something out for you. And then you sell, you know, that, that text, go in and reword it and put it, literally put it in your own words. It won't, that extra step could, could be what ends up saving you from, um, from a, a legal, <laughs> a legal murky area. To be continued. This is so interesting and I'm so grateful for you for chatting with us about it. Uh, it's, it's amazing. It's exciting. So I think that was like the perfect place to put a pin in it. And I really hope that you'll keep us apprised of what is happening in the, in the wild, wild west. Thank you so much, Paige. Thank you. Appreciate you. Y'all, how crazy was that? Like, I, I don't even know what to think. Like, is it going to be years before we know what's going on? Is it going to be, is it going to be tomorrow? It, it just feels so up in the air, but I, and a conversation I'm really interested in, especially as I've personally been playing with AI, I think um, my best takeaways from that conversation is a, I continue to be really excited about the possibilities. And, um, you know, when I recently did the AI workshop, which if you're interested in creating um, products or like digital products you can sell or mockups that you can use yourself for your own shops with AI, um, you can still get access to the recording from the workshop that I did and all of the things in that. I'm, I included 20 prompts um, that I have been using to create images and um, little tutorials for how to get started and set things up on mid-journey and all of that. But I think, you know, one of the main things that I taught in there and that I will continue to emphasize, which just tacks onto what Paige said at the end there, is just to when you can, you know, really modify the images that you're using because that's going to be your best bet for A, either being able to protect the um, the piece of work, assuming we even can down the road, but also to protect yourself from um, someone claiming that you have a, a an infringement. And I would just be really on top of, you know, if you get any cease and desists, I'd be, I'd be really responsive and on top of that, because I just think it was interesting to hear her say how some companies are kind of being a little, and this is my word, not hers, but like opportunistic about this time. And because things are vague, like not only does it mean that, you know, kind of bad players can get away with taking advantage of this, but also that, and and maybe, maybe even the business is behaving this way. It's a little bit bad player, but they're going to take advantage of the money grab as well to to take action to try to get anything that seems like it could be a, a violation, you know, attacked. But, you know, I think people are feeling protective of their work right now. And also, like half of us are feeling really protective and half of us are feeling really like there's amazing opportunity. So again, I would just continue to make sure that you are making edits, especially when you're using text from ChatGPT, since it's literally pulling from published sources. And we'll have to see with the imagery. Um, I certainly encourage you if you're using Midjourney or something like that to be editing the image as much as you can, adding things to it, anything sort of like how we talk about with Canva. And it's 
there's not the legality, as you know, as we said before, like this isn't legal advice. I'm just telling you what I'm doing. You know, when you create a design with Canva and you use their elements, you've got to put a bunch of things together. You can't just use one standalone element and call that your design. That's against the Canva terms and conditions because that was some art- artist creation. But if you combine them together with other pieces, it then becomes your work. So I have to wonder if that will govern how some of this will fall as well. But I sure loved chatting with Paige today. I I hope you found it interesting, or at least it was (laughs) entertaining to hear where we are at in the realm of all of this. Um, And and I will continue the conversation with her and keep you all apprised since I am knee deep in it as well. But I hope you are having a great quarter four. Um, I am excited for upcoming episodes and seeing what the trends are going to be in 2024. I cannot believe I am saying that year out out of my mouth. It's insane. But um, thanks for being with me today. I appreciate you spending your time with me so much. It means the world to me that we get to do this together and um, that I get to just geek out with my fellow Etsy sellers because otherwise it can feel a bit lonely. But sorry about the meowing cat in the background. If you can hear her, she wants to get out of the room right now. So uh, until next week, y'all go make something awesome. I love you guys. And that's a wrap on this episode of How to Sell Your Stuff on Etsy. Thanks so much for hanging out with me today. If you're looking for more resources, head on over to howtosellyourstuff.com where you'll find podcast show notes, all the links from today's episode, the blog, courses, coaching, and more. If this episode was helpful to you, awesome. The greatest compliment I can receive from you is a rate, review, and subscribe on this podcast. Not only will it allow us to connect again on a future episode, it lets me know I'm providing you with value and helps other people find this content more easily. From the bottom of my heart, thank you for your support. Have a great day and see you next time.